Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. We're going to waste no time. We're going to jump straight into part one. We're going to start with a fight that took place last Friday over in Ukraine. Andre Rudenko, 27-2. and two. He faced Mike Molo, who had a record of 21 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw. This is literally just the one fight I want to mention that took place on Friday. So Andre Rudenko ended up picking up the win. It was a technical decision after 7 rounds. It was for the vacant WBC International Silver heavyweight title. I'm not sure how much credibility that title holds. Molo was cut on the right eye after an accidental headbutt in round 7. And of course, you know, it ended up deteriorating pretty quickly in the same round. The doctor had a look at it and advised that the fight should be stopped. So because it was an accidental head clash that caused the cut, it had to get stopped. And it went to the judges scorecards and Rodenko was winning on the judges scorecards. So he picks up another win and he'll be back in the picture pretty soon. We're now going to go over to Saturday. We're going to go straight over to Germany at the Barclaycard Arena in Hamburg. Top of the bill. Derek Chisora, he faced off against Kubrat Pulev. This was always going to be a tough fight. I really always thought this was going to be a tough fight for Derek Chisora. I backed Pulev to win this one pretty much from the minute I heard it got made. Ayaz, did, did we predict this one? If I'm mistaken, let me know. But did you pick Chisora to win this fight? Yes, I picked Chisora to win this fight. Okay, I went with Pulev. So as for that little score thing that we got going on, it's one nil to me thus far. Um, Derek Chisora, of course, lost this fight. Kubrat Pulev won on a split decision. To be honest, I, I've got no idea how one of the judges gave it to Derek Chisora. It was absolutely disgraceful, that card. There's too much of this in boxing now. There's too many fights which are scored much closer than they should be. And this was a fight that Pulev won. And everybody gave it to Pulev apart from this one judge. So I'm not sure what that was about. It was really, really strange decision. But Kubrat Pulev picks up the vacant EBU title here, of course, in the heavyweight division. So he'll be looking to use that to gain some sort of some sort of um, momentum and I'm sure that he can push again straight up in that world title contention level that he was at before. This was, like I say, this was a fight that Derek Chisora, he did pretty well in bursts of it, but Pulev had such a brilliant jab. I've never seen him use his jab as perfect as he did. He really did use that jab and Chisora just couldn't get past his jab when he was using it. There's a few times where he was a bit lazy and Chisora would throw a few punches. Chisora was gassing heavily after about round four, round five. So I actually thought that Kubrat Pulev would probably knock him out, but it wasn't to be. He ended up, you know, cruising to a to a win on decision, a win on a split decision, like I say, which was a real strange one. Also on that bill, Vincent Feigenbutz, he picked 
picked up a TKO in the third round, so he now moves to 22-2. and two. He got a win over Chris Pulo, Javier, and Dino. Didn't have a great record, this guy, but it was just a fight for Feigenbutz to bounce off of and jump straight back up there, again, on that world title level. So that's really it for Germany. We're now going to go over to Manchester Arena. This was a cracking fight. I must say, Ayas, this was one of the best fights I've seen for such a long time. It's easy to forget some of the great fights that we've seen over the years, but I must say this was one that really made me proud. You know, there's some of those fights where you think, wow, what a man. Wow, what a win. What a fight. Anthony Corral, the top of the bill against Ishmael Barroso. It was always going to be a really tough fight. I actually fought... Even though, I, of course, I wanted Crawler to win, there was a bit of me. I didn't want to say it because I didn't feel it that strongly, but a bit of me thought that Barroso could could knock him out here. You know, you look at the two guys, Crawler with a record of 30 wins and four losses and three draws, okay? So that's seven fights. That, that Them three draws and that four losses, that's seven fights where he hasn't won. You've got to look at it like that. And Ishmael Barroso, 19 wins, two draws unbeaten of that 19 wins 18 knockouts we've seen what he done to kevin mitchell you know this was his big chance ishmael barroso so if we've ever seen him do well before you'd imagine he's going to do 10 times better now because this is his shot so he went in there anthony crawler obviously the game plan was to try to get ishmael barroso to punch himself out anthony crawler went in there he didn't let it, you know, he didn't just not throw any punches. He did throw some nice punches. And when he did throw a punch, he was countering him pretty well. But Ishmael Barroso was absolutely throwing everything and the kitchen sink on top at Anthony Crawler. And Anthony Crawler soaked it all up, took it all. And when it was coming, I was getting a bit worried because when it was coming to about round three, I was thinking to myself, how much is this taking out of Anthony Crawler? Because a lot of these punches were landing. He was throwing body shots. He was throwing head shots. Some of them were landing. And I was thinking to myself, how much more can he take? You know, it's all right sitting there for a few punches. But this has been a few rounds now where he's literally dominated everything, Ishmael Barroso, you know? So I, was, I wasn't I was sure. I knew that Barroso was tiring, but I, I wasn't sure how much it had taken out of Crawler. Then suddenly, that's it. I remember the... The, the advice in the corner, I'm not sure which round it was, but Joe Gallagher said to Corolla, basically, go out there, soak it up for the first minute or so, and then put it on in, in the last two minutes of, of the fight. He went out there and he did exactly what Joe Gallagher said. And I think it was key advice from Joe Gallagher in the corner. The game plan was absolutely unbelievable. And like I say, Corolla just put it on him straight away. As soon as he started tiring, the tire turned straight away. It all went to plan. Crawler was also cut on the right eyebrow in round four. And that was a bit of a worry as well. I thought, oh God, this is the last thing he needs. Because at this point, Ishmael Barroso was bossing everything. And then that seemed to sort of, that seemed to probably Crawler had to change the tide a little bit earlier than he would have wanted to. And uh, he come out in round five, done really well. In round six, he was absolutely beating him from pillar to post. And then, of course, in round seven, Barroso's KO'd by a right to the body. And it was it was unbelievable. There's some fantastic photos that have been taken ringside of all the crowd jumping up. I'm going to do a little shout out there to Karen Priestley. She put an absolutely fantastic photo up of the crowd going wild. And it was just, oh my God, it's one of those things you just, you, you know, Anthony Crawler, all the stuff he's been through outside of the ring, he was a few weeks away from his world title shot. And then, you know, he, he's, Two burglars burgle his next door neighbor's house. He runs outside to, you know, to give to give chase. You know, he catches one of them. The other one hits him over the head with a paving slab. He had a fractured skull. 
you know, he couldn't walk because he twisted up his ankle when he fell. And then that's it. They've had to postpone his world title fight. Or to be honest, he lost his world title shot. And we, we weren't ever sure if he was going to ever get in the ring again. And then he comes back in the ring. He fights um, Dalis Perez. He ends up getting a draw in a fight where he definitely should have won. And it was like, oh, my God, he's got a draw. So the champion retains his title. They ended up getting the rematch. He ended up knocking him out. And then here we are in his first defense against Ishmael Barroso. And he knocks him out as well. So it's absolutely, uh, honestly, it's hard to dislike Anthony Crawler. Everybody who knows him, I don't know him personally, but everybody who knows him says he's the nicest guy in boxing. You can't dislike him. You can't not love him. That's what it's come down to, to be honest. We're going to leave that fight there. We've literally been talking about the Crawler fight for about five minutes there. Me on a little a little happy rant. Uh, also on that bill, Shane Singleton. He moved to 23-1 and with a TKO over Adil Amwar in the eighth round. And he picked up the vacant WBC International Silver welterweight title. Amwar was down late in the first round. And also, of course, in the eighth round from a right hook. Amwar was also cut below the left eye in the sixth round. He did pretty well in bursts of that fight, Anwar, as I say. But Shane Singleton, just too much for him on the night. Also on that bill, Marcus Morrison, he picked up a beautiful KO in round two. He picked up the vacant WBC international silver middleweight title again. We're seeing a lot of these international silver titles. I'm not sure... I'm not sure what that's all about, to be honest. But in that fight, his opponent, Marcus Morrison's opponent, De Souza, was down from a left hook to the head late in that first round. And it ended up being finished by a body shot. So one knockdown in the first round, one knockdown in the second round for Marcus Morrison. And a good win. And his opponent had a decent record, 16-1 and one with the two draws. Also on the bill, Martin Murray, he picked up a TKO victory in the second round over Cedric Spurrer. He was nowhere near the same level of Martin Murray. Martin Murray absolutely jumped all over him. He come to give it a go, Spurrer, to be totally honest. But Martin Murray, too good for him. They weren't going to chuck him in a really risky fight. It was just literally a keep-busy fight before he fights George Groves on the Joshua undercard. Also on the bill, Josea Burton. He was fighting Michael Ludwizach. Now, this is a fighter I do not know too much about. Josea Burton, 15-0. and 0. Ludwizach, 13-3. Josea Burton put his man down in the third round from a left hook to the head. And in the fourth round, it was finished because Josea Burton threw a left to the body. That left hook that Josea Burton has really turning into a bit of a problem here for, for fighters that face him. Jose Burton, another great win. He moves on to 16-0. and 0. I really think he's an underrated fighter, Jose Burton. I think he's really, he could really go on to big things. Also on the bill, Tommy Coyle. Not very impressive from Tommy Coyle. He had a point deducted in the second round for hitting on the break. He just didn't really look too good. His opponent had a record of seven wins and 12 losses with one draw. Tommy Coyle, of course, 21-3. and three. And this fight went to points. Tommy Coyle ended up winning on points after six rounds, but it wasn't very impressive from Tommy Coyle, to be totally honest. Also on the bill, Paul Smith, he picked up a TKO in the third round. His opponent was down twice in the second round as well. So Paul Smith now 36-6. and six. He's looking to get back in the picture. Also on the bill, he moved to 10-0. and 0. John O'Carroll, he picked up a points win after six rounds. Also on the bill, Callum Johnson, he moved to 14-0. and 0. He put his opponent down three times in the first round and he ended up getting that TKO in the first round. Richard Horton was his opponent who had a record of 10 
nine wins and seven losses going into that fight. So a good win there for Callum Johnson. And that's it for the UK. We're now going to go over to the big one in the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas. Top of the bill, Saul Canelo Alvarez. He was defending his WBC World Middleweight title against our very own Amir Khan. I, as we knew all day long, this was going to be a really, really, really tough fight. We knew all day long that Khan was very courageous and he was showing his balls, to be honest, showing his metal here to, to, to get in the ring with someone like Alvarez. But it just ended up not being his night eyes, was it? You know, I mean, we can start with the first few rounds, how good it, how good he was doing in those first few rounds. Amir Khan, he was really using his jab, you know, very, very good. And, and obviously the reason for that is he doesn't want... Canelo to get past his jab and he's able to tee off on Khan or land something big, you know, so Khan kept him at bay with that with that jab and he was using his jab really well. He showed a lot of speed and to be honest, he was landing quite a, quite a few good right hands, but we knew all day long that he wasn't really going to trouble Canelo with his power. So I'm not sure what Canelo weighed in at on fight night. There was clearly a size difference in terms of the body. Of course, Khan's the taller fighter with the longer reach just about, but Canelo looked really, really big in there you know, in there compared to Khan. Khan looked really thin. And um, to be totally honest, like I say, he won, he won probably the first five rounds. It was probably 4-1 to Khan. I think that's really the general consensus as well. Everybody seems to agree on that 4-1. Some people are giving it 3-2. But at the time of the stoppage, all three judges was scoring it in favour of Canelo, which I think is absolutely disgraceful. And I really think that, like I say, judging, something needs to happen here because th- th- this is wrong. And then ultimately, of course, he was stopped. And he was KO'd really devastatingly, you know, in real devastating fashion in the sixth round. Literally, he was winning everything. He was doing really well, Khan. We were all proud of him. And then, bang, Canelo lands that right hand, and that was it. It was like... Danny Garcia style, apart from of of course it wasn't a left hook, it was it was a it was a right cross. And um what did you think of that fight, Ayaz? Looking back now, of course we have to give credit to Amir Khan for taking it nonetheless. I'll give Amir Khan huge credit for taking this fight. The first thing is, there was no rehydration clause, right? And there was rumors that Canelo, when he came to fight night, he he weighed in at 180 pounds, 180 pounds, and Khan was weighing 160 pounds. I'll tell you one thing, yeah. First of all, the judging, like you said, the judging, there was two judges that had Canelo winning the fight. I don't know what they were watching because I had Khan winning by four rounds. His speed, yeah, which, what he was doing, he was using his speed as an advantage. But obviously, you know what, it's Canelo's power. Canelo was hitting him and I could see it was hurting him a bit. But then in the sixth round, right, it's exactly the thing like Danny Gossett when he wasn't focused yet and Canelo hit him with that right hand and he was finished. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, two judges scored it to Canelo. I'm not sure if it was two or three. I can't really remember now, but um, not too important, really. We didn't need the judges, to be honest. Um, We're going to leave that fight there. But of course, Alvarez retains his WBC world middleweight title. Not a lot of people giving him too much credit. I will say that I give him credit. You know, he done what he should have done, you know, with someone that's jumping up a weight class. Khan's a good fighter, but, you know... I actually spoke to Barry Jones after the fight. I sent him a WhatsApp text and I just said, you know, if Khan had like a like an iron chin, if he had like a granite chin, he'd be top three pound for pound. And, you know, I, I really think that. And, and, and Barry Jones said without a doubt, 
you know so it's just a shame you know every every fighter's got their floor and, and his floor is his chin you know Amir Khan but as I say I don't I'm not going to knock him too much for the knockdown I think if that punch landed on pretty much any middleweight they'd be on the floor maybe apart from Gennady Golovkin but we'll leave that there hopefully we do see that one we'll have to wait and see also on the bill David Lemieux he's back in the picture of course from that loss to Golovkin. He fought Glenn Tapia. This was always going to be a bang up. I knew that there would be a knockout. David Lemieux moved to 35 and 3. He picked up the TKO in the fourth round. It was really strange because he knocked Glenn Tapia down. Glenn Tapia got up and he was okay. And, you know, the referee dusted his gloves off and, and they was ready to fight. And then Freddie Roach stopped the fight. And um, Glenn Tapia was, was, was going crazy. He was going, what, what? No, he was screaming, you know. So, the fighter really wasn't ready to stop the fight, but David Lemieux was, was, I think he was really cruising to probably cruising to a knockout. So, you know, some people moan and scream and shout and they say that he shouldn't have been stopped. He definitely could have carried on, but I don't know what was going to happen. He was just getting beaten up, to be honest. Lemieux looked really, really good. Moving down that card, Frankie Gomez, 20-0. and 0, He faced off against friend of the show, Mauricio Herrera. Frankie Gomez was unbeaten in 20, of course. He moved to 21-0. and 0. Mauricio Herrera was a little bit unimpressive, to be honest. Um, a few, you know, he, he, did, he did do pretty well during some of the rounds. I will give him that. But almost every round was scored to Frankie Gomez. I think the scorecards might have been a little bit harsh, but he definitely won the fight. So a good win for Frankie Gomez over a good name in Mauricio Herrera. Also on the bill, Curtis Stevens, he moved to 28-5. and He picked up a TKO in the second round, and he also picked up the vacant WBC Continental America's middleweight title. Jason Quigley was also on the bill. He moved to 11-0 and with a win over James De La Rosa. He won this fight via unanimous decision after 10 rounds moving down this card and this is the last fight that we're going to mention on the review part of the show Diego De La Hoya he picked up a TKO in the seventh round against Rocco Santamora they were both unbeaten somebody's O had to go Diego De La Hoya now moves to 15 and O and he's put the first blemish on Rocco Santamora's record Diego De La Hoya a real super bantamweight to keep our eyes peeled on for sure and that's really it for part one we're now going to welcome our first guest Okay, now it's time for guest number one on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF bantamweight champion of the world, Lee Haskins. Lee, welcome to the show. How you doing, mate? You all right? Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. My pleasure. Now, for those that, that may not know the whole journey that Lee has been on, I just want to go over that. Um, it's been a long Lee, one. Yeah, it's been a long one. The English title was the first title that you picked up. You then went on to win the Commonwealth, then the British. It's crazy to yeah. actually look back now and think that you took part in that prize fighter competition. No, yeah. The prize fighter competition, of course, you won every round of all three fights on every judge's scorecard and won the tournament. You then went on you then went on to win the European. You suffered the loss to Jamoy. You come back in your next yeah. fight, won the British title. A couple of fights later, won the European title again. Then you're in line to fight for the interim IBF world title. Now, at this point, two fellow Brits that you've already boxed and beaten have already gone off and won world titles before you. Now, at that point of your career, Lee, how frustrated were you? Two guys you've beaten are already world champions. You've won every belt possible, sometimes even twice over, apart from a world title. It's clear to see you wasn't given anything easy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely fair to say, yeah. How frustrated were you at that point of your career, Lee? Yeah, you know, it was, um, it was, it was a bit of a pain in the butt, obviously, because, um, you know, I've beaten both twice. I've beaten both. And, um, 
you know, I was not getting a shot. I kept uh, getting put to the back of the queue, and I wouldn't get my chance to fight for the titles, which was a bit of a bit of a shame, you know, because I was on running streaks, and um, you know, I think I deserved them. Now, as I said, um, I'll resume the journey. Um, like I say, you beat the two guys. Um, then, then you get this shot for the for the interim IBF title. You knock the guy out. Then you're in position yeah. to fight for the proper IBF full world title. The champion Randy Caballero, undefeated, good fighter, set to be the toughest fight of your career. He doesn't make the weight. The fight doesn't go ahead. He loses the belt, and you get upgraded to full champion. Suddenly, Lee Haskins, who's had it hard his whole career, gets the belt without fighting for it. And I remember at the time, you almost didn't know what to think or what to do. You almost couldn't believe it. You was like you know you've actually been thrown a bone for the first time in your career you still wanted to fight you you wanted to fight anyone who had a pair of gloves that nightly yeah of course you know we put so much work in for that for that um opportunity in Vegas to make a massive fight and um, not being able to get a chance to show that and show what you've worked on and everything was a big disappointment but um you know I've, like I said I've had a I've had a tough career and obviously somebody was looking over at me and said listen you've had a tough career have an easy belt <laughs> so they give it to me you know but um I was happy because I classed the world titles when I fought um, uh, Wasa because obviously, you know, we were ordered to both fight each other. It wasn't like he was picked out or I was picked out. It was the two top, next top two. And, um, you know, I went and done a job on him. You certainly did, yeah. So for anyone who is listening, um, anyone who who may not know whether Lee's a real fighting man or not, I'd like to think that I made it pretty clear for everybody there. Um, You know, like I say, most men would when they get the, the chance to, to win a world title without actually fighting for it, they jump at it. But Lee literally wanted to fight anyone who had a pair of gloves. It didn't matter if they were heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was even going to ask Canelo, you know, if we should. <laughs> now let's talk about the real reason that you're here. You're making your first defense of your IBF world title on Saturday against Ivan Morales. Ivan Morales yes. has had 30 professional fights in which he's won 29 of them. His only loss was a majority decision. How much do you know about your opponent, Lee? Um, to be fair, um, I can't really say. I don't really know anything about him at all. Um, I just know his record. I could tell you his record off the back of my hand, obviously. But um, I, I haven't watched any of his fights. He does a lot of my trainers and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't know what he's going to come like. You know, he can be the next best thing or, you know, he can be he, he can be one of the worst things. I have not literally got a clue. I'm just um, I've, I've prepared to make myself be the best I possibly can be. And um, whatever turns up on the night, hopefully I can deal with. Is this defence um, voluntary? Um, voluntary, yeah. Voluntary, yeah, because you know, yeah, but of course you got a lot of trust in your team because they've picked a guy with a with a well, his record's he's got a beautiful record, but obviously, he has, yeah, you know, this this could be a potential banana skin here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I I've I've got no no clue what to expect. Um, obviously, I leave all that kind of stuff to my my trainers and management. And, um, you know, I, I, I trust in their judgment and um, let's just see what he's got, you know. But the thing is, he's coming over, he's coming over here. So, you know, this is to him, this is a mega chance. So he's going to come with absolutely everything he's possibly got. So I can see it being a tough fight. And, um, apart from that, you know, I just don't know where else is going to go. I believe I'll win. I will believe I'll knock him out. I'm, I'm feeling absolutely great of my bit, my in my ability at the moment. I feel strong and I'm just ready to get in there and I'm ready to go. Now, I also want to ask you, how will it feel to walk out as a legit world champion? And also, how does it feel to be a part of that? You know, we've got 11 world champions right now in Britain. Boxing's absolutely booming. You're one of those 11. How does it feel to be to be a part of, of British boxing right now? 
yeah, it feels amazing, you know, to be a part of that that this era and being being able to call myself a world champion along with all the other great champions that there is at the moment in, in Britain. Um, it feels amazing, you know, and um, I just want to in, enjoy it and even walking out uh, Saturday night. I just want to, you know, I want to take it all in. I just don't want to rush anything. I just want to take it all in and enjoy the night. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a great place at the moment. So I just want to, like I said, I want to enjoy the whole whole occasion. Excellent, excellent. Now, a fight I must ask you about. Obviously, you won a close decision against Jamie McDonnell. I think it's fair to say you've both become much better fighters since then. You both yeah. hold world titles now. Will we see this fight happen? Will we see the unification? Yeah, I hope so. It's a fight that I've won. You know, um, the thing is, before I was world champion, I was calling both um, him and Stuhl out for a long time. I've just been calling them out. I've always wanted the shot, um, you know, but I don't know what happened. None of them wanted to give me a shot. No, the promoters didn't want to give me a chance. So I was in no man's land, but I've been calling them out. Everybody knows I've been calling them out for years. Um, but obviously now I've got the belt, we can maybe make a massive, massive fight if, if Jamie wants to do it. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm ready at any point in my career. I'm, I'm flying at the moment. So, um, yeah, we, could, we, can, we can do it any time. And will you be staying at Bantamweight for the foreseeable future? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm, 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 I'm okay at the moment. Um, but like I said, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy. To, I, could, I, could do, I could do the weight. But, you know, if something come up at um, Super Bantam, I would take that in a heartbeat as well. I think I could beat pretty much any, any Bantam weight as well at the moment um, in, in, in Britain, I, I believe. Now, I want to ask you about a, a fight that's coming up. I just wanted to get your prediction on it. Um, this, the British Super Bantamweight King, you may as well say, Carl Frampton, he's moving up to face Leo Santa Cruz. What's your yeah, thoughts on that fight? Well, do you know what I would say? I would say, you know, he's a, he's a great fight, fire, Frampton. I think um, he's very, very talented. I think he might be making a mistake going up a weight. You know, he's quite small for the weight, uh, I, I believe. Um, it's not a fight. You know, I, I would want to take King Santa Cruz. He's a very, he's a very dangerous fighter. But um, stepping up away, I feel, like I said, I think he's maybe a bit too small, but it depends, obviously, you know, if the, if the money's there and it's a massive occasion, I'm sure I'm sure that can uh, twist his arm. Yeah, absolutely. We hope so. Now, the last real question I've got for you, Lee, what are we to expect from you come Saturday night? And also, I just wanted to throw in there, will it be televised? Because I've heard a few things about what channel it may mm. be on. Is this fight going to be televised, Lee? Yeah, yeah, it's live on Channel 5. Okay, excellent. And what will we see? What what, what should we expect to see from, from yourself come fight night? Um, you know, uh, speed, dazzling, dazzling sharpness. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to bring the whole package. I'm going to bring in, I'm bringing excitement Friday night, uh, Saturday night. Um, just enjoying it. And I'm going to put on a show for everybody. Excellent stuff. Or you can you could just say when I say uh, what should we expect come Saturday night. All you got to say is Lee Haskins. To be honest, I think that answers a lot of questions in <laughs> itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now, just before we let you go, Lee, is there any? I know that you've recently set up Twitter. Is there any other yeah. social media that you're on? Just if if anybody listening wants to follow your journey. Yeah. No. Just Twitter. That's all I'm on at the moment. I don't have time to keep on with uh, keep up with them all. So just on the Twitter, and that's it for me. And what's your Twitter, you know, what's your at name? Yeah, it's at Lee Haskins 118. Okay, 118. Excellent. Okay, Lee, um, thank you very much for giving us a bit of time. I wish you all the best for Saturday and no doubt we'll speak again in the future. Yeah, thank you very much for calling. No problem, Lee. Thank you. Speak soon. Cheers, mate.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the preview part. We're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight into it. We're going to start over in France. Just one fight I want to mention over there. This is on the Friday. Even Mendy, this is the guy who beat Luke Campbell, of course. He's fighting for the vacant EBU EU lightweight title. He faces unbeaten Francesco Patera. This would be a good fight. If even Mendy can pick up this European title, he'll be moving on to that world level, I'm sure, pretty soon. Even Mendy, a good fighter. We saw that against Luke Campbell, even if he wasn't 100% that night. And that's it for France. We're now going to come over to the UK in Bolton at the Macron Stadium. Top of the bill, Jack Catterall, 14-0. He faces Joe Hughes, 14-1. This is for Jack Catterall's WBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. This would be a good fight, but we know what Jack Catterall's made of, and I believe he's going to pick up the win and move to 15-0. We've got all faith in Jack Catterall here. Also on that bill, he was fighting about two weeks ago, but he's back. It's the Indian superstar Vijendra Singh. He looks to move to 6-0. His opponent, Andrej Soldra, has a record of 12 wins, 3 losses and 1 draw. This is another good fight for Vijendra Singh. Fighting guys with winning records is only going to get him ready for those bigger and better fights coming down the line. Also on the bill, Luke Blackledge, his opponent yet to be announced, but he's defended his Commonwealth Super Middleweight title. And also on that bill, another fighter I should mention, Jimmy Kelly. He gets out again. He's looking to bounce back from that world title attempt at Liam Smith's title, of course. So he, at the moment, 16-1. and His opponent yet to be announced, but I'm sure he'll look good winning this fight. And that's it for the UK. We're now going to go over to the USA. All these fights happening on the Friday. Top of the bill, Dusty Hernandez-Harrison. His record, 29-0. and Mike Dallas Jr., his record, 21 and 3. This is a good fight for Dusty Hernandez Harrison, I must say, because Mike Dallas Jr., despite having the three losses, they were to good fighters. He lost to Mauricio Herrera on a majority decision. He lost to Lucas Matisse. He got KO'd in the first round. I remember that. That was a really, really, really big KO. And of course, he also lost in 2011. His first loss came to Jose Cito Lopez. So he's lost to good guys. His draw was pretty early on in his career. So he's lost to good guys. So if Dusty can get the win here, it's going to be a good win for him. Moving over from there, we're going to go over to Sam's Town Hotel in Las Vegas, USA. Top of the bill, Andrew Tabiti, 12-0. He faces Keith Tapia, 17-0. This will be a good fight. Somebody's O's got to go. It's scheduled for 10 rounds in the cruiserweight division. Also on the bill, Michael Hunter. He was a heavyweight Olympian. He's now gone down to cruiserweight. This is it's pretty strange because one of his fights, literally, a few months later, he lost, when he was at heavyweight, a few months later, he lost about 30 pounds and started fighting at cruiserweight. And he seems to have been knocking most of his opponents out at cruiserweight. So, obviously, it's a weight he's he's better off at so he at the moment Michael Hunter 11 and 0 he's facing Isaiah Thomas who has a record of 15 and 0 so again somebody's O's got to go this will be a good fight I hope it's televised somewhere also, Dan, that bill, part of Mayweather's setup, part of Floyd Mayweather's setup, Kevin Newman. His opponent yet to be announced, but Kevin Newman's record at the moment, 5-0 and with the one draw. And that's it for Friday. We're now going to go over to Saturday. There's one little fight I want to mention over in Mexico. It's the return of Marco Antonio Peraban. His record, 24-3 and with the one draw. Of course, we've seen him in there against James DeGaulle and some others. He's facing German Rafael, who has a record of 10-0. and This could be a decent fight that's it for Mexico there's now one fight I want to mention over in Poland top of the bill over there Marius Wack 31 and 2 he faces Marcelo Luis Nassim 
Nascimento. Marcelo Luis Nascimento is actually a bit of a journeyman. His record's 19 and 12, but he's he's got a winning record, but he is a bit of a journeyman, but he makes it very ugly in there. He's a tall fighter and um, he's, you know, he makes it very difficult, but I'm sure Marius Wack will probably win this fight by a knockout. We've seen Nascimento in there with a few fighters over on these shores. That's it for Poland. We're now going over to Wales. Top of the bill, we spoke to him a little bit earlier. Lee Haskins, he faces Ivan Morales. Lee Haskins, 32-3. and three. Ivan Morales, 29-1. and one. This is, of course, for Lee Haskins' IBF World Bantamweight title. Also on that bill, Craig Kennedy, he looks to move to 15-0. and 0. He's fighting for the vacant IBF International Cruiserweight title against Joel Jekko. This will be a good fight for Craig Kennedy. And also on the bill, Comrade Cummins. He looks to pick up his ninth professional win. He faces Frankie Borg. Josh Taylor also on the bill, looking to move to 5-0. and 0. And Andrew Selby. This is the man who's literally promised to be a world champion in the future. Andrew Selby, 4-0 and 0 at the moment. He's fighting Louis Norman. Louis Norman, of course, the former English flyweight champion. He lost his belt to to Charlie Edwards, Andrew Selby fighting Louis Norman for the vacant British flyweight title. So this is a fight that Andrew Selby should win pretty easily. Um, if not by knockout, he'll probably win every single round. But Louis Norman, 11 wins, one loss and one draw going into this fight. Of course, that one loss to my good friend, Charlie Edwards. So hopefully that fight's shown on Channel 5. As Lee Haskins said earlier, that that fight will be televised on Channel 5. So hopefully we get to see Andrew Selby. Really, really good fighter, of course, the brother of Lee Selby. That's it for Wales. We're now going to go over to California at the Sportsman's Lodge. A good fight that I should mention over here. Andy Ruiz Jr., 26-0. and 0. He fights Ray Austin. Ray Austin, a bit old now, of course, well over the hill. This is only an eight-rounder. Ray Austin's record, 29 wins, six losses, and four draws. So this, you know, this would be another name for Andy Ruiz Jr.'s record. Also on that bill, Sol Rodriguez. He looks to pick up his 20th professional win. Of course, he's got the one draw. He takes on Dawlis Prescott, who has a record of 31-3. and three. This to be another good little fight it's a few good fights they've kind of gone underneath the radar you know not big name fights but a few unbeaten fighters against unbeaten fighters a few guys who are fight, fighting a tricky veteran or a tricky journeyman there could be something unexpected happen this weekend but that's really it for all the previewing on this week's show we're now going to welcome our second guest Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome undefeated light middleweight prospect with a beautiful record of 29-0. and 0. It's, of course, Dusty Hernandez-Harrison. Dusty, welcome to the show. Oh, I appreciate you having me. No worries, no worries. The first question I want to I give to you, it's a bit of a cliche question, but what got you into boxing, Dusty? Oh, my father, he boxed growing up. So, I mean, literally, as soon as I could stand up, he, he started showing me how to fight. So, um, yeah, it was, it was because of my father. He put me in it right away, and um, yeah, I've been doing it my whole life. Now, you turned pro within a month of turning 16 years old. Your first fight was against a guy age 38. What was that experience like looking back now? Looking back now, it seems a little crazy. <laughs> but um, for me, uh, you know, I felt good. Before that, I had been sparring a lot of well-known pros from the area. Um, my mom, she hated it. When she seen the guy at the way, and, you know, he built real well, she started crying. Jeez, that's the last thing she wanted. 
Now, you kept really busy by having eight fights in 2012, eight fights in 2013. As the competition is stepping up, you're still very active, but not as active as before. Dusty, I'm no expert, but it seems to me like you really do truly love to fight. Yeah, I love to fight, and I, I love to take advantage of how young I am. You know, I'm only 21 years old, and I don't need the recovery time that a lot of other fighters need. But I want to stay busy as possible, you know, take advantage of my youth, get back in there and uh, everybody looks like looks at me like I'm crazy when I tell them I want to fight more than I uh, even more than I do now so <laughs> <laughs> okay let's cut to the chase you're fighting on Friday night against experienced Mike Dallas Jr we highlighted earlier on in the show that Mike Dallas Jr has only lost to good fighters two of the three losses he's got on his record are to world champions is it fair to say that this is the biggest fight of your career so far Dusty definitely definitely and going into it Nobody is, you know, going to Mike Dallas Jr. and telling him, like, oh, man, Dusty's the toughest guy he ever fought. You know what I mean? He fought Lucas Matisse. Nobody's telling him that. But for me, everybody's coming to me saying, man, this is going to be the hardest fight you got, you know. So uh, a lot is relying on this fight for me. I mean, it's a really it's a great chance for me to prove myself and prove that I belong, you know, with the big names. So I, I definitely want to do good at this fight. Absolutely. Now, um I wanted to ask you, do you study your opponents? Do you watch tapes? Have you watched any of his losses to try and take something out of them and take it into your fight on Friday night at all? Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, just to try to find a farm partner that, uh, you know, that kind of is like that first. But um, luckily, I've been working with Barry Hunter for this fight, you know, who trains uh, Lamont Peterson here in D.C. He's going to be working my corner. And luckily, he knows Mike Dow as well from the amateurs and known him for you know, a good part of uh, Mike's life. So he's been, uh, he, he's known him pretty well. And I've been, you know, just trusting him and going off of what he tells me. Okay, excellent. Um, now, for those that may not know your fighting style, do you have a similar fighting style to anybody that, you know, anybody in boxing history that some fans may know, like a name that they may know from the past? Well, I was, I was Canelo's farm partner. Um, I don't know if that means I fight like Khan. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, yeah, it switches up a lot. You know, if you if you ask my coaches, they'll they'll tell you they'll they'll pick somebody that I box because that's what they want me to do. They want me to stick on the outside and box. My problem is, I, I want to be a Diego Corrales and go in there and bang, even though I'm a taller guy. <laughs> okay, and th- this is a question I'm dying to ask you now. You've 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 mentioned it a couple of times since we've been on the phone. We'd like to know some guys that you've sparred with that we may have heard over here. Of course, you just said Canelo. Is there any other big names we may know of? Oh, just for this fight alone, I've been able to spar Canelo, Lamont Peterson, Austin Trout, and Demetrius Hopkins. And that's, you know, that's just for this fight. Um, you know, other than that, you know, I've been in the ring with uh, DeMarcus Chop Chop Corley, Danny Garcia. Oh, shoot, there's many young prospects, you know, that are from every young prospect from D.C., Jared Hurd, Mike Reed. Um, I've sparred John Thompson, who who just lost to one of the, you know, your guys over there, Liam Smith. Uh no, it's been a lot, but this just for this fight alone, I've gotten sparring with Canelo, Lamar Peterson, Austin Trout, and Demetrius Hopkins. That might be the best sparring anybody's ever got for a fight. <laughs> yeah, some serious names there. You know, um, that's that's really impressive. You can't you can't really ask for more than that, to be totally honest. Yep. We actually had Mike Reed on the show before. Really nice guy, as it goes. Um, I wanted to get your reaction on the Khan and Canelo fight, really. Of course, everybody's giving credit to to Amir Khan for stepping up and taking that fight. He got he got knocked yep. out in devastating fashion. What's your what's your what do you think about that fight? Looking back now. Oh, I, I actually I feel like a, a a boxing genius. There's a there's a video of me that's a few weeks old 
and I believe it was Ellie Setback, the reporter, and he asked me, he said, hey, what's your prediction for the fight? And I said, uh, I think Canelo gets a highlight knockout in the sixth. And, I, you know, I just got lucky, I guessed it, but no, I feel pretty smart about it. But, I, you know, I, I knew Khan was going to do well early, but I also knew how hard Canelo hits from being his farm partner. And I, I planned on him catching Khan sooner or later, and he, and he did. Now, would it be okay to ask you a couple of, get your prediction on a couple of upcoming fights that are taking place in your weight class? Sounds fine to me. Someone that you said that you'd sparred with, Austin Trout, he's got a big fight against one of the Charlo brothers, of course, for the world title. How do you see that fight going down? I think Trout's going to uh, outbox him. I believe he's fighting the aggressive Charlo. And um, it's hard to tell the difference between the two. But, you know, um, you know, he's been looking really well in the gym. Maybe I'm biased. You know what I mean? Because I, I get to see him training and see how good he looks. But I, I think Trout is going to outbox him to a decision. That's a really good fight. And also, Erislandi Lara against Marta Rosian. What do you think about that fight? Because we're seeing a lot of good matchups in your weight class. And that's another good good matchup, in my opinion. What do you think well, about that fight? That's actually a, it's actually a weight class above me. I know uh, I fight welterweight. This next fight's going to be a welterweight. I know a box rec has me listed at junior middle. That was just because some of my opponents had trouble making weight. And the fight got moved up, but no, nah, I probably walked with it. I'm only 21. I'll probably move up someday. So, but uh, no, I do think. Uh, I think again. I think Lars on our boss. Lars, man, he, he he could fight. He's good. Accident on my part there. Got got the weight class a bit muddled up. Oh, it's okay. It's hard to notice because I fight all over the place sometimes, just trying to get the fight. <laughs> okay, now the the last question I've got for you. The final question I've got for you. Who is your favorite fighter from the UK in history? In history. In history, you can do one for past and one for present if that make it easy for you, oh, but I want to be number one. I'm only 21, so I don't know that much. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know what I really like, and I, I feel like people in America, no, don't get me wrong, everybody knows how good he is, but, you know, I think he's the best out there. I really like Kell Brook, and um, I think he's very good, and um, I, I want to see him get bigger fights, so I, I think he's very good. That's a, that's 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 an interesting one. I didn't think you'd pull that one out the hat. To be honest, very underrated fire. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people though. I know over here, a lot of people say, "Oh man, who's the top welterweight?" And then they'll even mention Sean Porter without mentioning him because I think they overlook him just because he's not, you know, from the U.S. And I know that happens to him over here. And um, and man, I think he's shoot. I think he's better than all the welterweights over here. <laughs> Okay, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. I'm sure a lot of the listeners would like to hear that. And finally, before I let you go, Dusty, have you got any message at all for any of the UK fans that may be listening? Oh, you know, I, I know my UK fan base is not is not much, but I, every once in a while I get a mention from somebody on Twitter or Instagram, and they just say, hey, man, big fan from the UK, Dusty. And just that one mention, it feels so good just to know people over there are following and, and checking in and uh I you know I just appreciate the the little support I do get from over there I, I really do appreciate it. it makes me feel good you know to have it so excellent stuff okay listen Dusty it's been a pleasure speaking with you this week I appreciate you giving us some time this close to your fight we wish you the best of luck on Friday night and one thing I do know is that it's your birthday the following week so we hope you have two good yep. weeks in a row and no doubt we'll speak again soon cool appreciate it.
Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 32 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Summer has been I as Summer. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show. Yet another world champion on the Box Hard Podcast. This time it was IBF bantamweight champion of the world, Lee Haskins. We also spoke to Dusty Hernandez just a second ago. He is in good spirits before his big fight. Both of these guys fighting on Friday the 13th, but God willing, it's not an unlucky day for both of them and also the biggest thank you of all of course goes out to the listeners that listen to this show week in week out please keep retweeting following liking favoriting and sharing and we'll be back next week with another big show as always until then take care